Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, August the 20th, when you are listening to this. Getting close to football season, folks. Only a couple weeks away. My name is Jake Luke. I am one of your hosts, a writer with BaltimoreBeatdown.com, and I am joined by my other host, Spencer Schultz, who is also a writer with BaltimoreBeatdown.com. What's going on, man? Hey, Jake. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Doing all right. Just uh, sipping on a nice little uh, Wegmans brand seltzer water here. Um Wegman sponsor the pod. Um, yeah, chilling. It's Monday night, getting into the week, so not not a ton of energy right now. But uh, you know, we'll get through it, I guess. I am feeling you on that. I will not be sipping on White Claws or Coronas tonight because I am in the middle of a two day hangover. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm kind of feeling you on that. It was a long weekend. Not a fun day today at work. Nope. And it's a long week in front of us, so I guess we're just gonna have to power through this together. Fortunately, we've got some Ravens news, some Ravens notes. We're going to start out with the mailbag, as the people love it, and we're going to get started. Our boy Adam Jones 357 actually messaged the Baltimore Ravens Instagram, the Baltimore Beatdown Instagram, and said he's excited to hear our answer about this one. We'll start off with: Are the Ravens' defensive hopes of being a top five unit done without Tavon and with a potential lack of pass rush? I feel pretty strongly that the Ravens still have a chance to be a top five unit. What do you think? They definitely have a chance. I don't know if I'm overly optimistic that it's going to happen. I just feel like drop off kind of happens when you have like a top ranked defense. I think they were number one last year. Maybe the Bears were better in some metrics, but I think they were number one on like ESPN or whatever. It was them and the Bears like one and two usually. Yeah, right. So I feel like there's always a big time chance for drop off. I don't know how far it would be a drop off. I would maybe expect 
still within top 10. But yeah, I mean, it definitely hurts to lose him. But yeah, I mean, I don't don't think that the Ravens had that great of a pass rush last year, to be honest. Well, they did. They didn't. And that concerns me that it's not it's going to be even worse this year because of some of the names that they lost. And then you lose another guy in the slot there who you were going to be counting on. And you have a a lot of depth at the position, obviously. But yeah, I just think there was always going to be a little bit of drop off anyway. So, I, you know, I'm not overly concerned personally. The only area for concern I've seen, I think that they're getting decent pressure enough where it's not killing the secondary. From what I've seen, I think that Wink is hesitant. So the Ravens last year, Wink is hesitant to send four men only. So the Ravens were the bottom of the league. They were the 32nd ranked team in frequency of sending four pass rushers or less. So that means conversely, they led the NFL in blitzes, which means sending five men or more. So I think that Wink knows if there's going to be a problem and is accepting of that, where something Dean Pease always did was just continuously beat a dead horse and send four guys, and at the end of the year, the Ravens would get toasted. So I think Wink knows what's up and is going to send the blitz if he has to. Yeah, Tavon Young is an awesome player, but there are young guys that they've brought in behind him, Anthony Averett. Um, you've got Cyrus Jones there in the mix, who they've been talking about a little bit. <laughs> Excuse me. And then uh, Iman Marshall, who they drafted this year. So there are, are definitely options, I mean, behind Plus the Plus Carr. And then so that led into another question we had. I had somewhere. But so, Adam, to finish my point, I'm, I'm, if I have to put money down, the Ravens will finish inside of the top ten. I don't know about the top five, but I'm pretty darn sure they're going to be a top ten unit by numerous metrics. But that leads in the next one that was asked. I can't see exactly who it was, but they asked thoughts on Cyrus Jones and slash or Anthony Averett as replacements for the unfortunately injured Tavon Young. What do you think, Jake? Well, you drafted Averett a year ago in the fourth round, and that's the same round that Tavon Young got drafted in. So you have to think that they had some sort of plan to get this guy on the field at some point, And now an opportunity presents itself. So I'd be optimistic i don't necessarily know if i loved what i've seen from Averett a ton but we haven't seen a ton so i think right. if you get him out there when the bullets are flying and coach him up a little bit he could maybe be a decent option and yeah you can rotate him with a guy like jones who was a second round pick in his own right a couple years ago and you know he had the pick six he's shown some ability as a cornerback so you know it's it's going to be a drop off no matter what because young is very good but you know those guys are pretty ideal options when something bad like this happens i mean don't you think yeah, I believe that they're still fine. They're still stacked. I would consider Tavon more of a luxury than a necessity. Brandon Carr has been moving around the slot, and he was, by many metrics, way underrated last year, 2018 performance-wise. So I'm going to ro- go through some numbers that Tavon had via playerprofiler.com. Uh, he let up 43 receptions on 74 targets. He averaged about 2.7 receptions allowed per game. It was a 58.1% catch rate. He allowed a 90.8 passer rating into his coverage, and he had a 4.1% burn rate. What a burn rate is, is downfield, so past 15 yards they qualify it as. A man got five or more yards of separation on Tavon. He was actually towards the bottom of the NFL in that. So I think that Tavon is a really awesome chess piece. He tackles really well. He blitzes really well. He's a nose for the football He's not the greatest slot cover guy. He did get uh, torched a little bit by Jarvis Landry in week 17, who caught five of eight targets for 102 yards, Then, who burnt him twice as well by their metric. Juju had a really strong game the second 
matchup in Baltimore where Juju caught seven of eight targets for 83 yards and had 21.3 fantasy points on him. Other than that, he was pretty strong. Tyler Boyd had four catches for 59 yards. So I don't think that he was a key piece necessarily for this Ravens defense. And I do think that Averett, Carr, and Cyrus Jones will be able to give 80-plus percent of the production that Young would have. Yeah, I love it. Um, There's plenty of options there. It sucks to lose the guy, but they're going to be fine, I think. I think that maybe, hopefully, from what Tavon's been saying, he feels a little better than Harbaugh might have indicated. So hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And I know that we were talking about it in our Slack chat, the Baltimore beatdown Slack chat. We're just really happy Tavon got paid. Uh, ahead of the injury so he's you know going to be able to take care of himself and his family because he deserves it he deserves the money he's a hard worker he's a great raven so i'm happy in case this injury does not turn out for the best for him that he did secure the bag already i want everybody to secure the bag secure the bag only yeah definitely he's a a good young dude he's from the area relatively so yeah you like to see that yep um let's go to another one will trace mcsorley make the 53 man roster we're going to call this one the case for trace give it to me jake i mean you know where i stand on this one i say yes i think he is going to be a quarterback i mean if it is qb3 qb2 for a little bit maybe with rg3 still out and i think he is going to get some action on special teams maybe maybe even a little bit of defense who knows um he's kind of the perfect guy to be that sort of up back to uh, have back there on a punt to like maybe run a fake necessarily. He could maybe be like a holder on field goals and you can run fakes that way. So yeah, you don't really know right. what the role is right now, but I just think he's going to have one. I agree completely. I think it's pretty dependent at first on whether or not RG3 is healthy enough to come out week one. So that might be a silver lining within that injury where Trace McSorley, part of me, is able to kind of sneak in because of that and maybe find himself a way to stay. So if he does, that's great. I think I agree with you. He could be the up man. I'm going to go with practice squad at the worst. So I'm not sure about the 53. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, But yeah, I I am going to predict 53 here. So mark it down. All right. Put it on the board. And let's go to the next one. Outside of the Tavon Young injury, are there any other injuries slash practice absences that are presenting serious concerns? Um, today, a couple guys got banged up. Unfortunately, Jermaine Illuminor was carted off of the field. Are you walking a marathon right now, by the way? What's going on? I am trying to plug in my laptop, and I did successfully, finally, because the room I'm in at my girlfriend's house does not have a three-prong outlet. And her roommate is trying to watch Bachelor in Paradise. So I'm taking my annoying self into another room so that she can watch in peace. There was a lot of movement there. I was just curious. I mean, you got your Rambo headband on. I just tweeted that out from the main account. So um, I'm going straight Hollywood right now, baby. Copying his swag. Nice. But yeah, continue. uh, Sorry to jump in there. That's all good. So it was, are there any other concerns? So unfortunately, Jermaine Illuminor was carted off the field today. I haven't heard a thing about it. I don't think we have an update as of 719 Monday evening, but hopefully as he just had, in my opinion, the best performance he's had in any game as a Baltimore Raven, that it's not too serious. Other guys that were banged up, I believe were Ronnie Stanley started watching. It might've just been cause it's too hot out. Mark Ingram started to watch. They didn't go in the facility or anything. Then Otara Alaka kind of limped off, walked off, which I hate to see cause your boy he, uh, played great. So I don't think anything crazy, serious Illuminor, I hope he's fine, but if he is not able to go for a little while, 
I don't think there's a huge drop-off between him and Powers and Makari. Um, I don't have James Hurst at this point, but for some reason they'll probably end up sticking him out there once Yonda comes back. But I think they're okay as of now, health-wise. Knock on wood. Hopefully they keep the good conditioning and good shape up. Um, another question moving along. When do you see other big extensions such as Matt Judon coming in? I think that's a great question. What do you got, Jake? I think the priority is going to be Stanley one, Humphrey two. Maybe, maybe they extend Judon. I don't know if they're going to at this point. I didn't realize Judon's 27 already. Yeah. So he's at the end of his rookie deal. That's, pretty darn old but he's a pass rusher they kind of peak around now through their like 30th to 31st season when they get the mix of physicality with the veteran savvy i feel like um if they're able to stay durable so i think that stanley is there's not a chance in hell that the ravens let him go i think he's gonna get a ton of money locked down humphrey the ravens love we love everybody loves he's maybe the top press man corner aside from Stefan Gilmore in the NFL and right there with him. So I agree with that order. And when do we see them happening? I say Stanley at some point during the year, Marlon at some point next year and Judon's got to happen by March or April or else. Bye bye, Matt. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm leaning at this point. I don't know about you. Yeah. So we'll see on Judon Stanley and Humphrey, I think aren't going anywhere. Humphrey's probably going to get, between Stanley and Humphrey, they're probably going to get $200 million, I would think. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Ramsey is going to get paid before him, so that's going to be pretty pricey. Yeah, I don't think he's as big of a prima donna, and I think that Marlon really loves Baltimore and loves the environment. I hate that term, hometown discount. I remember I said a few pods back, we're not using that term anymore, but I think he just likes Baltimore enough. If they offer him something to make him happy, he will stay, and I don't think they're going to mess with him too much. Uh, another one is that Dixon looks good. Kenny Dixon, shout out friend of the pod. I agree with that. Justice Hill looks good. Who is the odd man out in the backfield? What do you think about the backfield situation? Yeah, I think Dixon is, as of right now, the guy out. Um, I think they like the upside in Edwards. Ingram is obviously going to be the guy. And then, obviously, they just drafted Hill this year, and he's looking good in his own right. So I think, uh, yeah, unfortunately, friend of the show, Kenneth Dixon, I would see him as the odd man out right now, but he has played well, too. So, I mean, you just you never know. I'll say, number one, there's no possible way that a healthy Kenneth Dixon is not on a, a 53-man roster. Right. It's just a year. unique situation. You have so many guys right now, and he's a guy who's been there um, and has had some injury issues. So maybe they, they've kind of seen all they want to see and you know, kind of let him – Try and go make a go of it elsewhere. Right. I could see it maybe. This is what I think the situation boils down to. Ingram's locked up. He's not going anywhere. We know that. Justice Hill's locked up. Not sure how many touches he's going to get. He looks like he deserves some. So that leaves Edwards and Dixon as kind of similar assets there. And personally, if I'm Eric DaCosta and I have to let one of them go, I hate to say it, I'm letting Gus Edwards go. I think Kenneth Dixon has a more versatile skill set. And I don't think there's anything that Gus Edwards can do that Kenneth Dixon can't. And maybe Edwards is a little bit more downhill through the hole or something. But Dixon averaged 5.6 yards per carry last year. I think he's a weapon. He's a weapon in the passing game. He's just as good, if not a better pass pro than Edwards. And a lot of people kind of on Twitter have said, you know, oh, well, Dixon's in the last year of control. Yeah, Edwards is a restricted free agent, though, as well. So maybe one more year out of him. I don't know. I don't want to let either of them go. I don't think there should be an odd man out. I want to keep four backs because Pat Ricard 
hopefully take some snaps defensively and kind of is a dual-edged sword, so he's not just a fullback. But I don't think there's an odd man out. Jake, you said Kenny is, unfortunately. Yeah, they could keep four. I mean, you don't know. Sure. I think that's the right decision. I don't think they need to keep seven receivers, and they might not even need to keep six, but we'll get into that later. Um, the second last one we'll do, is there any way for Deshaun Elliott to see the field maybe in the slot with Tavon out? Do you see him in the slot, Jake, or what? I could, yeah. He seems like a versatile guy. And, you know, the nickel role, it can be played by either a corner or a safety with the way yeah, modern defenses are evolving. So I could definitely see that. Uh, what do you think? I think that I've seen the biggest weakness out of Tony Jefferson in his stint with the Ravens so far has been matching up with tight ends and backs. So Jefferson hasn't necessarily been a nickel, but what I see out of Deshaun Elliott is more range and length in those matchups. So I think that if Jefferson kind of comes into more of a sub backer role in dime and nickel and kind of plays robber or hook to curl and hangs out more at the line of scrimmage, that Deshaun Elliott could quite possibly be coming in and especially later in the year as he gets a little more confidence and the team maybe trusts him more, kind of sits back and takes some of those corner routes that tight ends love to love or those deep crossers that slot receivers take. So I absolutely think Deshaun could be in the slot or maybe back a little bit behind Tony Jefferson if Jefferson's coming up in the box more because I love what I see, as I said. So definitely. Um, Let's see. The last one is an interesting one. This is a little different perspective aside from players. Since the Ravens and Steelers don't have a prime time game this year, is the rivalry still alive? Which is an interesting note. We haven't talked about that much. Yeah, I I don't think that it's dead necessarily. I think it's kind of always going to be there for Ravens and Steelers fans because of the history there is very intense because of the kind of geographic uh, thing there where they're relatively close together and the fact that they're in the same division. I think it's always going to be there for the two fan bases, but on a national level, I get it if people aren't as plugged in as they used to be. We're not even talking about this like the guys from the early 2000s aren't there anymore. We're talking about this like where guys are from five years ago or even a few years ago aren't there anymore. Like C.J. Mosley, Antonio Brown, like Terrell Suggs, you know, Brett Kiesel, some of these like these guys are just all gone. And it's they're both new teams. The only, you know, familiar face going to be here is like Ben Roethlisberger, if you think about it. So, yeah, I think from a national standpoint, maybe people aren't as plugged into it as they used to be. But uh, I think with the way things are evolving, if Pittsburgh does end up getting a young quarterback at some point soon, then it could uh, come back in a very big way, uh, provided Lamar works out like we think he's going to. So the last part of what you got into is Lamar, and the Steelers haven't seen him yet. So No, they haven't. I think that Lamar might kind of reignite this rivalry a little bit as Roethlisberger's getting older. Just from, you know, the old passings on hashtag football Twitter, Steelers like to talk some trash about Lamar. They like to, you know, hit the running back joke and this, that, and the other. Yeah, they should. I don't blame them for that. Of course, we'll say the same things about whatever. I'm not mad about it, but I think that if Lamar has a really good game, a really bad game, basically whatever, that this could ignite a new era, phase, whatever, of that rivalry. And they, I think they basically traded up for Devin Bush as a direct counter to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, a lot of people said that at the time, and that's a good point. You know, with Baker in the division, Nick Chubb and Lamar Jackson – as well as Joe Mixon, they needed to get somebody to come in and run sideline to sideline because Lord knows they didn't have anybody to do that, really. Their front defensive line has been pretty good pass rushing-wise, but they've gotten kind of gashed the last few years in Chase Year's absence, which 
again, is so unfortunate, and I'm happy that they finally were able to get somebody and do all that. But I think that Lamar can spark a uh, new era, hashtag new era, LJ8 edge in this robbery. So that'll close out the mailbag. Thank you again for this week, guys. we got some good ones. And I feel like we're doing it usually on Tuesdays. So look out on Instagram mainly for the mailbag on Tuesdays, and that wraps it up. Now we can get into some of the segments. Yeah, so we were taking a look. Uh, not a ton of news to go around right now. I mean, other than the injuries that we already talked about. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get into some of the Eagles joint practice notes. They're up there in Philly practicing against the uh, the Eagles. Nailed it. Um, and yeah, so we kind of already hit on some of the injuries of concern. Have we talked about Illuminar yet? A little bit. He was carted off. Um, I, we haven't gotten an update from John Harbaugh or anyone of the sort. So TBD, I'm sure we'll hear something about it tomorrow. And hopefully it's a minor setback, not a major development. Yeah, because that could be an issue. I mean, he looked good at that left guard spot um, last Really week. good. Yeah, against uh, Green Bay. So I think they were maybe optimistic that he could finally be the answer there uh, that they've been searching for in camp. But if he's going to be sidelined now, then they're right back to square one. So that would not be good. There were a couple other ones. I'm trying to remember. So all the good top. news. Good news is that Jimmy Smith is back on the field. He okay. was on the practice field today. Um, I think. Let me see if I can find Hensley's Twitter really quickly and see who was out. He had a list. It was Seth Roberts, Boykin, Dixon, Edwards. Uh, Yonda continues to be out. Chris Board is concussed. And obviously Tavon Young and a couple other guys. So nothing too crazy. I haven't heard developments out of. Anything, the linebackers kind of sat out immediately after the Packers game. I know Peanut, Kenny, and then Board, of course, with the concussion, kind of took a little breather, which is fine. It's preseason. They've been working their tails off all offseason. So I think the Ravens are in generally good health. Yonda has been on the cautionary side of John Harbaugh's decision to keep him inactive and away from getting banged up moving into the year as he doesn't really need to be out here at this point. Yeah, definitely. A couple notes. Uh, Lamar Jackson did not have a great day against the Eagles, it sounds like. Uh, didn't have any interceptions, but not really any big plays. Uh, Earl Thomas got beat deep by Alshon Jeffrey on a play. He was not happy about that. Um, and apparently the Ravens secondary was really impressing those Philly beat reporters. Yeah, a lot of the Philly journalists were saying that the Ravens secondary is the real deal, and they're kind of envious of it because that is the one-week spot aside from Malcolm Jenkins of the Eagles roster. So kind of sounded like today was more of a stalemate where both quarterbacks were checking down more and trying not to turn the ball over and kind of doing those first and second round jabs before getting into it maybe a little bit more tomorrow in the later rounds of the boxing match. So nothing crazy going on in Philly. Sounds like they were having a very respectful and professional day and that the Ravens were very gracious of their gracious hosts. So all good stuff. Hopefully everybody stays healthy up there and is able to manage in the heat. Um, and that kind of moves us out of that. And, oh, actually, we had one final note. So, Jake, who do you think has a better chance to reach or win the Super Bowl, the Ravens or the Eagles? Uh, I think it's not even close. I've got the Eagles uh, in this one. I think uh, I have them penciled in as one of my probably few favorites going into the season. I love Carson Wentz as a bounce back potential MVP candidate. I think they made a lot of great moves in the offseason. I just really like the way they do things as an organization. It does remind me of the Ravens, which makes sense because there's a lot of connective tissue there. But I think they're, it's a similar idea with the way that the teams are being built. I just think the Eagles are further along in the process. Um, and it's funny because they've already won one. Um, and so, yeah, I think they have a, a good chance of bouncing back and uh, getting right into the mix for one again with the Ravens maybe being just a year away from that status, in my opinion. 
I'm going to leave it just at that. The Ravens are still a year away. I think that playoffs-wise, I think the Ravens have just as good of a shot, if not maybe better than the Eagles to reach. I think the and I think that the division they play in is pretty darn tough. We'll see. The Redskins and the Giants kind of have some question marks, but I really like the Cowboys. But yeah, I think the Ravens are still a year out from actually being able to make a Super Bowl run. Where Philly, I could see more. So if I had to bet on one of the two, I would probably take the Eagles if they had the same odds. Um, but yeah, that sums up our Eagles Ravens talk for the day. Yep, definitely. And wanted to do a quick whip around the AFC North. Um, yeah, so just wanted to kind of generally touch base on it. I mean, what have we been hearing recently? You know, the Browns are getting hyped up to, you know, up until the heavens, the Bengals are kind of the opposite. And then the Steelers are sort of the wild card here. So, you know, is there anything that you wanted to hit on specifically? Any points you wanted to make about the division as we're getting closer to the regular season? I think that the Browns, I'm going to go the strength of each team and the weakness of each team. I think that the Browns strength is their vertical passing game. I don't think that surprises anyone. I think their weakness is going to be their offensive line and especially their run blocking. Um, I think that the loss of Kevin Zeitler and they didn't really add anybody to my knowledge, right? On the offensive line. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't, I don't think they added anyone. I'm, no. I can check the depth chart in a minute, but uh, I think that if you can attack them and blitz them successfully, then you've got to get a shot to beat them for sure. And they're really young. So I think that, they can kind of be volatile and perhaps have a couple clunkers where the whole team's not firing on all cylinders. They're counting on a lot of really, really young players. So if those guys can put up, then by all means, put my foot in my mouth. But I think they're a little overhyped. I could see them being eight and eight to, to 10 and six. I don't think they're going to be 13 and three or anything like that. Um, I do love Baker. Baker's electric. And obviously Odell is going to be troublesome, but we shall see. Then Bengals wise, their weakness as well, offensive line. What do you what do you think about the Bengals squad? Bengals are totally rebuilding. I mean, it's you know you can't expect them to do anything this year. They just don't have the talent. They don't have the coaching talent for one right now. Maybe Zach Taylor could be a good head coach, but I just don't understand the infrastructure around him. And there isn't really a plan for this season. I think the plan is to be bad this season, get a good draft pick, say Sayonara to Andy Dalton, and potentially get somebody like Tua, and just move into a new era. So for them. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. They're not going to be very good this year, and that's okay, because they're finally showing some sense of direction and willingness to move on from the Marvin Lewis era. Um, right. With the Steelers, it's yeah, I think they're in a similar spot to the Ravens, where it wouldn't shock me to see them in or out of the playoffs. I have them between eight and ten wins, and the Browns. I am I'm buying the hype a little bit to the point where I think they could win ten or eleven. And that's probably what I'm expecting, but. I don't know if they're all the way there in terms of their leadership structure and culture that they still are looking to build here a little bit, but the talent is just insane. So I have them as the favorites for the division currently. I think that, yeah, the Ravens and the Browns will probably be neck and neck at the top. And I think the Steelers are not very deep. So I think that they could easily fall apart and kind of end up seeing themselves more towards six and 10 than 10 and six. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised with a 7-9 season out of the Steelers unit. And they want to toot the horns of James Washington and James Conner and everything. Their offensive line is still fantastic, and that opens things up a lot. But we shall see. I think that secondary can get torched pretty darn easily. Uh, I I don't love their talent, but I love their their coaching is the difference there. It's kind of the opposite of the Browns for me. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Two different ends of the spectrum, a team that doesn't have as much blue-chip talent, but has a rock-solid head coach and a better foundation to build upon. 
So I'm excited to see those two teams go at it, honestly, the Steelers and the Browns. I know that I think the rivalry there is pretty darn strong, and I know that Browns fans really hate the Steelers as opposed to the Ravens. Um, so those will be some games to look forward to. Well, I think but, some of the older ones hate the Ravens a little bit more, probably. That's true, but we'll see. So I don't know. I think the Ravens are looking stronger than people realize, and I think it's kind of started to catch on as of late with some national media pundits and whatnot have gotten kind of sick of the narrative of the college gimmicky offense and seeing that that's not actually going to be the case. So we'll see the AFC North. I'm going to say it's going to be the Ravens. That's my prediction. You say the Browns are the favorite. Yeah, it's close. Like you said, I'm kind of with you where I think it's going to be kind of a neck and neck situation, but I do have the Browns slightly edging them out and not making a ton of noise in the playoffs as of right now, though that's kind of a tough prediction either way. Right. And that moves us out of the AFC North news. Not a ton on the home front there. Just wanted to touch base with the around there and see what's going on. But then our final little area was going to be Kyle Barber, our managing editor, who obviously has been on the pod quite a few times, put out his 53-man roster prediction, uh, his final one, which is pretty a little bit far out to be able to do that. But what do you think about that, Jake, his prediction? Um, Let me pull it up real quick. I had a few thoughts, but if you want to get it going, I can uh, jump in with you as I take a look at it here. Okay, so he followed my thought process of keeping all four of those backs, which I obviously agree with. Then a major cut was going to be Bradley Bozeman. He let go and kept Pat McCarry, which I also agree with. Um, receivers, he kept six, and I think it's the most commonly six identified guys. Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Seth Roberts, Chris Moore, and Jaleel Scott. Is that going to be... You're a receiver room, Jake, or what do you think? I think so. I liked what he did at receiver. I liked what he did at O-line, and I liked what he did at quarterback, keeping all three of those guys. Um, But, yeah, going back to wide receiver, I think that's just kind of the group that makes the most sense to me as of right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Floyd sneak on there with the veteran experience. But, yeah, maybe you go with the upside in Scott there. That would probably be my prediction as well. The only player that he left off for me is Otara Alaco or Otaro Alaka, his name can tie your tongue up quickly. Um, He played outstanding. He was a little banged up today, but I would love to see him make this team. So Kyle kept seven corners. I'll list them off. It was Marlon. Yeah, there was a crunch there. I did want to bring that up because there were seven of them. Yeah, so it's interesting because you've got Cyrus Jones and Justin Bethel on there. I think I probably would lean towards six. I don't have off the top of my head who I would have the replacement be, but I think it's going to be between... Justin Bethel and Cyrus Jones there for that sixth spot. What do you think? I would rather keep Alaka than Bethel, I think. So I would take Bethel out and keep six. And it also has to do with the fact that Anthony Levine can move around linebacker to safety. Then Tony Jefferson can kind of do the same. And I think they just have enough safety depth and DB depth outside of the corners to not need to carry a ton of corners and, um, but again, we're still a couple weeks out, so injuries could happen. Amon Marshall is in a, a sticky place for me as well. I don't see him being active on game day. If he does make the roster, I just don't think that would be a good use of the, I believe 44 jerseys you get to try it out on Sundays. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he were moved in some fashion off of the 53 man roster at some point. But I would prefer to keep a lock at five backers and six corners instead. But other than that, I mean, I pretty much universally agree with Kyle. Yeah. Um, and then he, 
he had Trace McSorley as well, which is what you have too. Yeah, definitely. I didn't have really any issues with it and nothing glaring. Um, I think he did a very good job with it. And yeah, maybe we'll get into our own 53-band projections uh, in an episode coming up here before the season. But yeah, we did want to wait on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so We're yeah, going to try for- and wait on that till right before the season starts. Yeah, yeah. So just look forward to that. We, we will have some of our own coming as well. But uh I think that might be all we got. You got anything else you want to uh, plug or talk about before we get out? Nobody. It looks like Hollywood might play. Um, That's the only thing I have written down here that I thought of. So excited to see him on the field, and that about sums it up for me. Yeah, same. Uh, You got your little cosplay on for him there, so I can tell you are very excited. Um, And, yeah, it's going to be a a fun game up there in Philly. I think it's going to be a great test for the starters who I expect to play a decent amount in the first half. And... Yeah, it's just going to be a good litmus test. It's the dress rehearsal game. Uh, they call it before going into that fourth week of the preseason where nobody really mm-hmm. plays. You just kind of skip over it and get ready for week one. So this is going to be the last time that we really see them in action before the regular season. So, yeah, get ready for it, and uh, it's going to be a good one. We might post this one on YouTube. So we had a little trouble. I kind of just went through the process of editing it. We're going to put this one, if not this one, our Thursday slash Friday uh, preseason week three Eagles game review on YouTube. That'll just be on the Baltimore Beatdown YouTube page. So look out for that. We would love if you would leave us a five star subscription. We appreciate it. We appreciate you guys, the listeners. And if you could take five seconds to go do that, that would be awesome. Again, follow Jake on Instagram, Twitter, follow the Baltimore Beatdown page, follow myself. We're going to be ramping things up more and more into the season and keeping you occupied throughout the week for sure. So we're excited and happy to have you guys. Yes, we are. Thanks for listening and peace out. See you. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. I love see, sacks take me out of my game. I like running both down. I like intercessions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, in, I like you that. You in the gun. I like body. that bump of grass. <laughs> 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 he, he like the trench work. That boy yeah. like to get down. Like down and dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm that's saying. My, hey. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>